Welcome to episode number 47 of the Better With Brock podcast. Today we are going to be unpacking muscle building myths. They fly around the industry. It's one of the most common goals in fitness to look more jacked, to build muscle. And a lot of people play on that. A lot of people have just, and I mean playing on it by like marketing and say, oh, you should do this, you should do that. Oh, how do I do that? Oh, you have to buy my product. Well, today I'm going to be pulling the veil off and revealing the BS behind muscle building myths so that you can just get on with it and start building muscle. So without further chat, without the intro stuff, let's get into it. The most important thing that we have to address first is the famous dirty bulk. If you don't know what a dirty bulk is, I'm glad for you because it's scarred a lot of uh, people's, I guess, early days into lifting, especially mine. I was on the dirty bulk very aggressively when I was younger. When I first got into training, I was still at high school and I was young. I, uh, I'm still young. But, you know, I was a teenager. Uh, I was always eating very highly active with sport with zero nutritional knowledge. And I had this idea in my mind, like many people do when they first start, eat big to get big. So me and my friend Rob, that got me into training, he had a bench press in his garage at home. So we'd do bench press. And then we started watching 300, one of the greatest movies of all time which really pushed me through my lifting. We used to watch it and then like research Google or Google research the (laughs) Spartan workout because they were so jacked. Leonidas, his physique was like, we were like goals. So we looked at it and then online their their workouts were like jumping lunges, push-ups. I remember getting introduced to Hindu push-ups, which we do in jiu-jitsu, which are called uh, judo push-ups. Um, and many other funky exercises that I bet you they did not do to get ready for this, for this, um, for this roll in 300. Uh, they probably would have lifted weights. Maybe some of them would have jumped on a few saucy, saucy uh, supplements, you could say. And they just looked like what we wanted to look like. So we did that. And we just used to eat. We used to get on our bikes, bike down to McDonald's and get something called a hunger buster from New Zealand. If you haven't had a hunger buster, you haven't lived. It, it's a Big Mac or a McChicken. You can swap it out, but the Big Mac was always better. And a cheeseburger, a chocolate sundae, chips, and a drink. So two burgers, uh, sundae, chips, and a drink. And it was like our go-to. We would do that every weekend. We didn't watch our macros, watch our calories. We just like ate big to get big, whatever. So what we, <laughs> what ended up happening for me especially was like, I just kind of, yeah, I got bigger, but I just kind of got fatter until I, um, I remember looking at the YouTube video when I was a singer, you can still look it up on YouTube if you want to comment below. If you do go find this on YouTube, cause it's quite funny. Um, I sang titanium when I was back in a boy band called Morehouse and it looks like I have no neck and I trained <laughs> heavy traps because I didn't really know what I was doing. I just copied this guy at the gym who was doing heavy barbell shrugs and I used to do it. It used to kill my lower back, but I just did it because he did it. <clears throat> and I had big traps, um, but I just had a lot of fat as well. 
And that was my dirty bulk. I would just, I, I would eat like eight wheat bix in the morning, sugar all over it, banana and sugar. And then I'd have like a pretty good lunch at high school, sandwiches, can of creamed rice, fruit, can of tuna, maybe something like that. And then after school, I'd have these lasagna toppers. I'm not sure if, I haven't seen them in so long, but it was like a lasagna, but it it had like, um, what do you call it around the outside? Like crumbed. Yeah, it was like crumbed lasagna. So I used to have like two of those with four pieces of bread. So two sandwiches um, with and just garlic butter on it and tomato sauce. I'd have that. Then I'd have dinner and then I'd have dessert where my brother and I would have ice cream and put like cornflakes and rice rice pops or rice bubbles, sorry, or cocoa pops in and just stir it around until it was like this, like kind of like something you get from a frozen yogurt store. So my diet was atrocious, right? And I was just like lifting heavy and eating big. And that's what the dirty bulk is all about. It's it's about not caring about your macros or your calories. It's just about eat big to get big. You're always eating high calorie foods. You want sauce with that? Of course. Is that a rhetorical question? You want bread with that? Hell yeah. So you just keep throwing things on and just throwing things on and you, and you just create this huge calorie surplus and you just end up getting really fat. And the thinking behind the dirty bulk was like, well, more calories equals more muscle, right? Like more food, yeah? Just get real big. And a lot of the pro bodybuilders were doing that too. They were just like, they would take photos and and, and this was early in the fitness industry. They would take photos. They'd be at like In-N-Out Burger. They'd be like super jacked. They'd have a big gym pump, take their shirt off, big flex. Like if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me here. Like I'm, I'm flexing, look at the camera. And then down the bottom, like where their abs are, just below their abs would be like 10 burgers and fries and drinks. And they'll be like, cheat meal, bro. And then everyone was like, whoa, you eat that and get big. That means I have to do that. Eat big to get big, bro. Yeah, man. And then it just kind of created this whole thing. And then the dirty bulk was born and you know what you can eat like that if like most people that were posting that you are on exogenous testosterone which is uh, steroids or performance enhancing drugs that really does help and the thing is sometimes those influencers wouldn't even eat those meals it was just for the thumbnail or it was just for the for the gram and then they'd be like all right you finished with the photo okay let me give the burgers to the rest of my friends the dirty bulk is just, you, you just go nuts. You just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and you keep training hard. And for some people, it will work. And for the, and, and the some people is, is hard gainers because hard gainers are people that struggle to gain weight. I fall into this category. I think I fell into this category when I was younger. And it's just when, like, you just don't eat that much. So you have to have those high calorie, highly um, tasty, you know, foods to get calories in to make sure that you're getting in a surplus. But for most people, if they eat a dirty bulk diet, they're just going to gain a lot of fat. The truth is about muscle building. It's a slow process. And just because you're gaining weight does not mean you're gaining muscle. It's very different. That's why it's good to get your body fat tested because you could look on the scale and be like, man, this week I gained a kilo. I'm getting huge. But if you gained a kilo in a week, that does not mean that that kilo is muscle mass. 
unless you get a a DEXA scan or uh, you get um, your calipers done by a a, a well-educated personal trainer who can do your body fat calipers and you're the same body fat percentage and you've gained a kilo, then it's muscle mass. 100%. But most likely, if you're gaining a kilo a week, you're getting fat. If you're... if you're advanced, if you're even intermediate, muscle gain is slow. It's very slow. It's painful. It's the worst part of lifting. As a natural athlete or a natural lifter, bodybuilder, whatever you want to call yourself, it's very slow. And it, it's it's challenging because sometimes you're like, man, why am I even doing this? I'm grinding five days a week, six days a week. I'm weighing my meals. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And it's just such a slow grind. That's just the nature of it, man. That's why it's important to fall in love with it because like fall in love with progressive overload, with getting stronger, set yourself performance-based goals because if you're just worried about your aesthetics, it can get quite disappointing the more you do it. Like I've been training for 15 years now. Do you think I'm gaining a kilo of muscle a week? Do you, like I don't even know if I'm gaining a kilo of muscle a year. It's very hard the more you get advanced and if you don't take you know, performance enhancing drugs, it's even harder because you have to do it like you have to get in a calorie surplus and just slowly chip away at building muscle. But the point I was getting at here is just because you're gaining weight does not mean you're gaining muscle. This, the calorie surplus that you need is so small compared to what you think it is. You don't have to eat an extra meal per day. You don't have to eat an extra 1000 calories per day. All you have to do is just eat above your maintenance by the slightest margin. And the margin that I like to do that by is by just 5% of your calories. 5% of your calories. Let me do the math right now. So my current calorie maintenance is around 3,500. So I'm currently eating 3,500 calories at maintenance because I just finished the fat loss phase and I'm just chilling out at maintenance eating, um, I'm eating 400 more calories, which is awesome. And if I go 3,500, which is my maintenance, and just give myself the smallest calorie surplus, it's 3,675. It's an extra 175 calories. That's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. It's so small, it's not even noticeable. That's like a piece of bread. So, like, I'm not eating an extra McDonald's meal. I'm not having a hunger buster. I might just have an extra piece of bread at dinner. And that feels like it's not good enough. It feels like, what the hell is a piece of bread going to do? But you know what it does? It just gives you that surplus of energy. And that could be enough for you to build as much muscle as you can without gaining excess fat. But if I went ahead and go 3,500, now I'm bulking, I need to go you know, 4,500 and just throw an extra 1,000 calories on, If I only need 175 calories, I've got, what, 825 calories of of potential calories just to go straight to fat gain every day. That's a recipe for gaining way too much fat for the amount of muscle that I'm building. Sure, you will optimize your muscle building just as much, but you're going to gain fat. And when you gain too much fat when you're bulking, it's not good for this very reason. Then you have to lose that fat later on. Sure, it's fun eating whatever you want, doing a dirty bulk, 
optimizing your calorie surplus, but gaining that extra fat is just slowing you down later on. That just means that your diet, when you decide to lose fat again, is just going to be so much harder. It's going to have to, your prep is going to be so much longer because you've gained this extra X amount of kilos instead of just being disciplined with a 5% calorie surplus or even a 10% calorie surplus. If I was to go to a 10% calorie surplus, I'd be at 3,850, which still an extra 350 calories, that's not much. When you think about it, it's like, I don't know, it might be an extra cheeseburger if we're going to talk about if we're going to talk about McDonald's, like it's just in like 350 calories. That's five eggs. Like if, if you just have your normal diet at maintenance and just add five eggs, now you, you may just have the calorie surplus that you need to optimally build as much muscle as possible and gain as minimal fat as possible, which is the goal of a bulk. People call it a lean bulk, a clean bulk. I just call it an intelligent bulk because the more fat you gain now, the more you have to lose later on. And it's just no good. And often that added fat that people gain when they don't really need to discourages them and kind of disappoints them when they look in the mirror because people like to maintain a lean physique. I'm not trying to say that you have to be lean all the time. I'm just speaking from experience. I coach a lot of people. I've trained my whole life pretty much since I was 14, 15 years. That's someone's whole life somewhere out there in the world. I've trained for a long time. I know even myself, I'm a personal trainer. I'm a fitness dude online. And you know, I understand that looks aren't everything, but still, I like to maintain a certain look just because that's how I like to look. Even though I know it doesn't mean anything about my self-worth, it doesn't make me a better person, it doesn't make me better than you or your mum or your dad or your brother, it doesn't make me better, it's just a body fat percentage. I know that. But I like looking lean, looking muscular. It's just what it is. And if you ask most people and they're being honest, they would probably say the same thing. Yes, it's healthier than being overweight, but it's just like an image that we that we aspire to. And I train so much, I want to get the most out of it. And for me, that's gaining the least amount of fat possible and building the most amount of muscle possible when I'm in a build. And to do that, you only need a pretty small surplus. Five to 10% is a great place to start. If you're a hard gainer, like I said earlier, a person that just struggles to gain weight and just can't seem to just put on any pounds, maybe you can start at 20%. That is an aggressive approach. So for me, if we come back to my example, just because it's, it's, it's personal and it's easy to understand, if we give myself a 20% calorie deficit, that brings me up to 4,200. That is quite a lot. That's quite a lot of food per day. So for me to do that, uh, I think if I did that personally, I would gain weight at a pretty rapid rate and that would be too high for me. So maybe I'm not a hard gainer, maybe 20% is too high. And once again, guys, these, these rules are just suggestions. Your perfect surplus might be 9.76%. 
or 4.38%. <laughs> like it comes down to trial and error. I can give you my calorie calculator, which is in the top district. Uh, top description of this wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can use my calorie calculator, but let me give you this piece of advice. It's just a guess. And that's all formulas are. They're just good guesses because the amount you walk, the amount you sleep, the length of your workouts, the type of workouts that you're doing, there's so many things that are different, but it's a very good guess for the information that you put into the formulas. So you know, if five percent calorie surplus isn't doing it, if you, if you, if you just, if your weight stays the same, and it was meant to be a five percent calorie surplus, don't complain. Oh, Brock, your calorie calculator is rubbish. Maybe you put the wrong physical activity level in, or maybe you just need a higher calorie surplus. So instead of just saying, "Oh, woe is me," just find the solution and give yourself more calories. Bump your calories up by 100, 150, maybe 200 calories. Stick to that for a week or two and see how you go. That is how you build muscle optimally. It's trial and error. Nothing is black and white. Um, nothing is exact, you know, except for like principles, like you need a calorie surplus, you need a deficit, you need maintenance for this and that. Those are pretty set in stone, but there are numbers and, and things like that things fluctuate, things change. So just make sure you keep that in mind. So there we go. The dirty bulk debunked. Thank you very much. Secondly, low reps and heavy weight is a must for muscle building. That's what we've been told. You got to lift heavy, bro. You got to get under the bar and train to failure. It's, uh, it's out there. It's out there, but it's not true. I look, I'm a big fan of lifting heavy weights in low rep ranges. That's my favorite way to train. I love it. I dig it. That's how I personally get strong. That's how many of my clients have gotten strong. And it's how most people get strong and build muscle. It's not the worst advice, but it is a myth because you can build muscle with slightly lighter weights and more reps as long as you take your training close to failure or to complete failure. The rep range, the weight that you lift doesn't really matter as long as you get within three, two, one or zero reps in reserve. If you don't understand what reps in reserve is, it's how many reps you have left in the gas tank. If you finish a set of bench press and you go, man, I could have got three more. And then, but if I did three more, I'd definitely be done. The The bar would be stuck. That's three reps in reserve. That is close enough to failure to build muscle. So it was two reps in reserve, so was one, and so was zero. So as long as you get there, your rep range and the weight that you lift doesn't really matter. The weight that you lift is obviously going to be relative to the reps that you do. You can't lift super, super heavy weights for your strength levels for 20 reps because then it's not a super, super, super heavy weight. It may be super heavy for that rep range, but it's not a super, super, super heavy weight. So just keep that in mind with your training. Just because you're like on the bulk doesn't mean that you have to change your training from exactly what it is to... I have to go heavy, I have to do two reps, three reps, four reps, or else I'm not going to build muscle. That's not the case. 
It is smart when you are in a calorie surplus to pursue strength increases because you have the surplus of energy or surplus of calories behind you to help you recover, to help you perform, to help you get stuff done in the gym. So it is a good idea to lift heavier weights for low reps. But once you've finished that for the first one, two, maybe three exercises of your workout, then you can go into more isolated movements where it makes sense to, to just increase the reps a little bit and decrease the weight a little bit. You don't have to do heavy weights all the time. For example, if you're going to do the dumbbell lateral raise, doing three reps on a dumbbell lateral raise doesn't feel the best. It kind of beats up your joints a bit, shoulders feel a bit funny, elbows feel a bit funny. Mm, that didn't feel that good. And you kind of like lift the weights up and then just drop down really fast as soon as they come up. That's not the best controlled eccentric that I've seen. But if you're lateral raising in between anywhere 8 to 20 reps, that seems to be a bit of a better rep range for that exercise. And you might get more gains for it. You might bulk your shoulders more successfully with that rep range for that exercise. So context matters. However, opening the workout with some heavy overhead presses or heavy bench press, heavy squats, heavy deadlifts for two, three, four, maybe even five reps, that's a great idea. You're going to get stronger, you're coming in fresh, so you're using your your peak amounts of energy to lift the heaviest amounts of weight for the biggest compound exercises. And then as you fatigue and and get into more isolated movements where you're breaking specific muscles down, you can decrease the weights and lift lighter loads for lateral raises, Y raises, cable Y raises. Um, you know, maybe you're doing tricep pushdowns. You know, doing tricep pushdowns for three reps, four reps. Mm, you could probably get more out of it from doing somewhere between eight to 15 to 20 reps. These exercises, there are certain exercises, and this comes with experience that I have from being a coach for so long and training for so long, and you may develop this as you continue to pursue your body transformation, but certain exercises just lend themselves towards certain rep ranges just from a practical perspective. So you don't have to lift low reps and heavy weight to build muscle. You can build muscle from anywhere between three reps and 30 reps. That's a big range, and the context which helps you decide what rep range to do is like, do you want to get stronger? Do you want to work on strength endurance? Do you want to just focus on hypertrophy? What exercise are you doing? How fresh are you feeling? Do your joints feel good when you do this exercise and that exercise? There's a lot of context and nuance in between deciding what rep range to do, which is why I always recommend if you don't know too much about programming, obviously you can go and learn and do courses like I have and seminars and study it. Or you can hire a coach to do so. Obviously, how did that fly get in there? Obviously, if you want me as your coach to do that, I can. And you can check out the link in the description, which takes you to my plans page. Moving on to high protein diets to build muscle. A lot of people, when they start bulking, think, I need to get even more protein to build even more muscle. But it's just not the case. It's not the case. Protein is like, <laughs> it's like your best friend. It's always there. It's always consistent, just always there through good times and bad times. 
you can always lean on protein. It's always going to be there. You want to keep it the same every time. You want to keep it high always, whether you're cutting or whether you're building. It just stays the same. And if you increase it even more, you might just be trying to cover your ass and just make sure that it's that you have enough protein. But when you have the calories that you need to hit for your calorie surplus and you have the protein that you need to hit and the fats and your carbs, if you bump up your protein a bit higher, something else has to come down. Your fats or your carbohydrates. And let's say you take fat off. That might just be fine. Let's say you take carbohydrates off though. That might, like, because you're in a calorie surplus, you have uh, a surplus of energy. It might not affect you too much because you're just bumping up your protein by 50 grams. It's a couple hundred calories. But if you have that extra protein because you're just trying to like, oh, I think I need more protein for this bulk and your carbohydrates lower, maybe your performance will drop. Maybe, you know, you'll have less energy, less focus, less productivity. Your recovery might be impaired. Maybe not. Maybe you. Maybe it'll just be fine. It's not a big deal. Like if you have more protein, it's not the worst thing in the world. But it is a myth to build more muscle. Like if you just keep having more and more and more protein, that doesn't mean you're just going to like build more and more and more and more muscle. That's just not, that's not how it works. If you've maxed out your protein, you just kind of like having extra protein instead of something else. And having it instead of something else doesn't really matter too much from a um, perspective of like how your body operates, although you just have less carbs or less fat and more protein. But it might just be a preference thing. Like now you got to have more protein, which means like you might have to have an extra scoop of protein. You might need to have an extra chicken breast, some more beef mints. And maybe you don't want to have that. Maybe you just want to have like potentially more bread or more fruit or, you know, you want to have an extra scoop of ice cream, which is carbs and fats. And But you can't because your protein's so high. Just keep your protein where it needs to be, a high protein diet. And that can be anywhere from 1.5 grams of protein per kg of body weight or all the way up to the higher end of 2.5 grams per kilo of body weight. But even then, that's that's pretty high. That is where I eat. I like to kind of make sure I'm getting enough protein. I like to max it out. But also, I'm doing quite a lot of training. Like I'm lifting weights five times per week, but I'm also doing jujitsu three times a week, three 90-minute sessions, which are pretty grueling. So I want to just like make sure, because I'm moving my body so much that I'm sparing enough muscle mass. And if you are leaner, it is a good idea to be on the higher end of protein because body fat is muscle sparing. So people that are obese can be on the lower end of protein because they have so much body fat that's going to protect their muscle mass. Like if your body's in a deficit and you're obese, your body's going to use that body fat as energy, not muscle. So there's not, because that's like the most intelligent thing to do, there's not really much point of just like skyrocketing your protein because it's just, yeah, 
a waste of calories that you could put towards having more fat or more carbohydrates, which are tastier in a, in a real world point uh, perspective. But also, you know, the extra carbohydrates could help fuel you better in your workouts and help you operate better cognitively throughout the day or something like that. When I first thought of doing a podcast in 2019, I wrote down everything that I wanted to achieve with the show. And one thing I never wrote down was to spam you with ads of products that I never really used myself. However, I did write down that I wanted to grow it as big as possible and have as many interesting people on the show as I could. To help make that happen, all I ask is that you leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to this episode on and share it with someone that you know it will benefit. If you want to support myself even further, and more importantly, your body transformation, and are interested in having me as your coach to help you achieve the results that you just can't seem to achieve on your own, you can visit teambrockashby.com to see what program fits you best. Back to the show. Another myth that's been debunked quite a lot lately is having your protein shake or just your source of protein straight away after training like it's almost like you you finish your last set of triceps and it's absolutely burning as soon as you finish before breathing you have to sprint to the locker room grab your shaker shake it 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 and scull your protein just to make sure you've made the most of the anabolic post-workout window um and the and the truth is i'm not going to spend too much time on this but you don't need to do that it doesn't need to be straight away it doesn't even need to be within half an hour it is a good idea because after training you are more sensitive to protein um you know your body is ready to transport the nutrients that it consumes post-workout to the area that needs it but in the real world, sometimes we just can't get to a source of protein fast enough. And the the most important thing that we need to look at with protein specifically is our daily protein target. That's the most important. So we need to acknowledge that. That's most important. How much protein we consume in a day. Did we hit two grams per kilo of body weight? Yes, big tick. Did we have a post-workout shake within... 10 seconds of finishing, no, it's not a big deal. It's not the biggest deal. Look, it is a good idea and potentially more optimal way to go about it to have a source of protein within 30 minutes, one hour, two hours. I've like waited four hours before. You don't die. Your muscle doesn't disappear. Your biceps don't fall out of your arms you know, but it's a good habit to get into, especially, you know, like, and, and, and if you are someone that does like two training sessions a day, let's say you're doing jujitsu, like you'd want to get that in earlier and with some carbohydrates, if you're going to train again for a second workout, or let's just say you're doing cardio later on in the day, you know, you'll want to replenish your glycogen stores again and get some little bit of carbohydrates in there, but especially some protein especially some protein. So think about that if you are doing two sessions a day, like some people are, some people do weights and then they do cardio or some people do cardio and then they do weights. Um, After a workout, get some protein in before your next workout. Some carbohydrates as well would be even more optimal to replenish your glycogen stores that you just depleted in a workout so that you can use your glycogen stores again, which we use uh, when we're working out and exercising in that second workout. But yeah, just 
it just kind of makes sense to get your protein in after your workout. Um, it's just a good habit to get into as well. You know, like if you finish your training session and then you have to drive home and then cook dinner and all that kind of stuff and it's been an hour, it's not the biggest deal. Like you're going to be fine. Once again, the biggest thing you need to focus on is the daily protein target and making sure you're hitting that number by the end of the day. There is ca- there is a caveat there because there is some optimal ways of getting uh, constant feeding of protein throughout the day. So a good rule of thumb, like if you have a protein target of two grams per kilo of body weight, um, so I'm just going to go by me because that's an easy example. 180 grams of protein is my, um, it's like pound of, um, like a gram of protein per pound of body weight or two kilos, 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. 180, it's around 180, 200. Let's just say 200, right? 200 grams of protein that I need to hit for the for uh, by the end of the day to hit my protein target, which is the most important thing. The second most important thing underneath that, if we're getting in the details of muscle building, is the feedings, meal frequency in between. Feedings makes you kind of sound like a rat or like a pet, like, oh, I'm having a feeding. That's pretty weird. But that's kind of how they talk about it in research, like protein feedings. So that's kind of how I was thinking about it. But let's just say meals, meal frequency. Um, like how often we should have that. The research is kind of like four meals is the best place. Like having five, six, like people used to think eight meals a day would stoke the metabolism. The research just kind of debunked that and said, that's not really true. Uh, You can, as long as you hit your daily calories and daily protein, that's really all that matters. That's the most important thing. But then they were like, oh, but you know, if you want to be optimal, you could have somewhere between 0.4 grams of protein per kilo of body weight or 0.55 grams uh, of protein, grams of protein per kilo of body weight, hope you're still following me, uh, per meal. So, and then once you, once you find that, you're like, well, how many meals would that, you know, would that be for me? And then you have those amounts of meals. Or you could just go, all right, the optimal amount of meals that I should have is probably is is four it's around four so you could have three you could have five three four five it's it's still going to be fine as long as you hit calories and protein and everything else so let's say we need to hit 200 grams of protein and in in four meals I need to have 50 grams per day sorry 50 grams per meal if I'm having four meals that is going to be more optimal than having two meals of 100 grams because I have those constant feedings throughout the day. So that's something to think about with like hitting your protein. If you can't hit it straight away, it's not the biggest deal. Have you hit your protein target? And then have you hit constant protein meals throughout the day? You know, I could have four meals of 50 grams or I could have five meals of 40 grams. It really just depends. Personally, what I like to do, like on a day-to-day basis, my target is 225 grams of protein at the moment. And I probably have around four meals per day. Um, I wouldn't say they're the most optimal at the moment. I just kind of like go with what uh, is happening. Uh, like if I go through my, my Fitness Pal right now, 
just to give you like an idea of <laughs> how it doesn't really matter, really. It does and it doesn't. So yesterday, my first meal was 88 grams of protein. That was breakfast. And then my second meal was 62. So keep in mind, I'm going for 225. My third meal was 67. <laughs> my fourth meal was uh, 19. And you know why? Because um, my protein was actually too high. So I actually had to pull it back and I had no protein source with my dinner last night because I was like, if I have the beef mints that I was meant to have for dinner, that would make my protein like 250, maybe even like closer to 300, which is too much. Once again, it's a waste for me. Even though I love the taste, I'm like, I'd rather have some carbohydrates to like fuel me because today... I had jujitsu and then I had gym. So I wanted full glycogen store so I could smash my training. I didn't want to feel depleted with that extra protein instead of carbohydrates. So instead of having um, like beef mints and rice, I had just rice. I needed carbohydrates. So I had rice in wraps with avocado. It was pretty sad dinner last night, but you know, you got to do what you got to do for the gain. So Yesterday, for me, probably not the most optimal. For me to hit 225 in four meals, which I had, I would have had to have had around 56 grams per protein, uh, of protein per meal. And I had heaps for breakfast, 88 grams, so I went too high. And then I had 60 and si uh, 62 and then 67, which is pretty good. It's pretty close to 56. And then I had 19. I ended the day with a pretty abysmal uh, amount of protein. But so you can see like, obviously I know what's optimal, but in the real world, it's really hard unless you're a professional bodybuilder, which I respect. It's really hard to like have a perfect amount of protein every single day, unless you're meal prepping, weighing everything out. And like, just like, I have to eat this. I have to eat this. And like, I'm, I'm eating with my wife. She's making dinner. Sometimes I make dinner. I'm a real average cook. But like, we're just like trying to make it work and just like, yeah, I'm not a professional bodybuilder. So like, I'm not going to go to that perfect amount of 56 grams per day just because I know that it doesn't matter too much for me personally because I'm not stepping on stage to show how much muscle I have. Obviously, I'm curious and I'm trying to build as much muscle as I can, like I'm sure you are. But to me, having 56 grams of protein four times per day just isn't one of those things that I really care about too much. As long as I hit my 225, which I did yesterday, I actually hit 12 grams over by accident or just by lack of preparation. As long as I do that, I'm happy because I've had enough protein and I've had enough calories. I had seven calories less than I needed to yesterday, but that's pretty accurate. So I'm happy for me. That's a big tick for building muscle. That was a big, man. Got sidetracked on that one. I was talking about protein and in the anabolic post-workout window. All right, the last myth that I want to talk about for muscle building is training to failure all the time. 
training just as hard as possible, man. Got to bulk. Got to go to failure every time, man, or else you're not going to build muscle. That's what they say. I'm just going to take a quick drink. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what they... That's what people say. That's what I heard a lot when I was at high school. Just learning the ropes of, of, of lifting. I didn't actually have a personal trainer. I just learned from my friend, Rob. I just did what all the big rugby boys did in the gym. I was just a classic you know, person that I kind of make content for. I was just lost, just doing what the big boys do. And it, you know, to be honest, it didn't really work that much. I could have gotten a lot better results if I was more detailed. But anyway, they just train to failure all the time because that was what you do, bro. It's just, you just train to failure. That's, that's the manly thing to do. Be a real man and train hard and rugby and yeah, chicks. It was, it was a lot of that environment. So I was like doing a lot of that, just lifting heavy, heavy this, heavy that, going to failure till I was shaking. I'll do tricep dips until I couldn't, you know, I was like shaking like a car, an old car. And then I'll do leg extension until my legs literally couldn't move. And then I'll do calf raises until I couldn't walk. And I'll do shoulder presses until I couldn't lift my arms. I was just like battering myself in the gym. And don't get me wrong, training to failure has its place. But... You don't need to train to failure every workout, for every set, for every exercise. It just, you're going to get too burnt out. If you're going to true muscular failure in every set of every exercise in every workout, you're going to smash yourself. It's going to be very hard to recover from, especially if you're training four times or more. If you have an intelligent split, it may work. But you're going to need time to recover. So what I like to do, instead of training to failure all the time, is to to train more intelligently and actually ramp up the intensity. But before I kind of talk about my approach, I want to acknowledge like why training to failure all the time doesn't really work. So if you train to failure, right, and you're like really sore, you can't walk for a week, your legs are just crazy sore, can't sit down, oh, it hurts. Like you, like someone like accidentally kicks you while you're sleeping, like your girlfriend, and then it's just like absolutely painful because your quads are still recovering. If 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 that's happening, you're actually stopping yourself from getting into the gym if you're too sore. Like that's why, as a personal trainer, you don't just want to smash your client until you see them again because then they can't train until they see you again a week later. So you just you just don't want to do that. If, you, if your muscle soreness is so hard, you can't train for an entire week, you've overdone it. And you're slowing down your progress because you're only training that body part once per week. The research tells us we should probably train it at least two times per week, potentially three, depends on the person. Maybe even four, depends on your goals. So if you want to train to failure, the way that I like to do it so it doesn't get in your way and you're not so sore that you can't train and then you just like hate the gym and give up because it's so sore. Like I remember I, I, I took it quite easy. I trained this Indian lady and she trained with me for a while. But the first session that she had with me, she like complained because she said she was so sore. 
like so sore she couldn't walk for a week she saw a doctor she took certain pills and for me i just thought it was absolutely crazy because like we did like body weight squats body weight lunges but she was so sore that she couldn't train for like it was like two weeks and i i probably should have read the situation a bit better but we did literally like three sets of eight of like body weight squats and then like we may have done split squats or maybe some leg extension i can't even remember but it was her quads she said they were like sore to touch so for me i acknowledge that error but she was so deconditioned that even doing body weight squats like just like squatting down and standing up with no weight and then doing leg press, which was probably like 14 kilos or 21 kilos, like so light that, you know, you could easily bicep curl it like 50 times. It made her so sore. That is not what we want because it stops you from training. It stops you from progressing. It stops you from, especially as a beginner, like getting used to training and developing the skill of training. Because training is a skill. It's like if you're learning new exercises, the more you can do them, the more comfortable you become with them. And then when you're more comfortable with exercises, you can get stronger on them. So if you're a beginner and then you just get so sore, you can only train once a week. And then I'm training a beginner and I'm doing a better job than I did with this Indian lady. And I'm like training this person three reps away from failure, maybe five reps away from failure just to be safe with this beginner. And they're coming in and they're doing the same workout because they can, because they're a beginner, like three times a week. Over one month, they're going to do an exercise 12 times and you're going to do them uh, four. If you train chest once a week and you're doing the dumbbell chest press on week one and then again week two and again week three and again week four, you're doing it four times per month. If this beginner that I'm training is doing it three times a week and they're a bit further away from failure, they're going to do it 12 times in a month. So three times more than you. They're going to develop the skill of the exercise. They're going to develop better form. And then with that repetition, they're also going to get stronger in that exercise because they're uh, exposed to that exercise and the stimulus of that exercise more. So that is why we don't want to train to failure all the time. We want to leave some reps left in the gas tank, especially in the first week of the program. And then we can ramp it up as we continue to move forward. We can do, this is how I like to do it. Two to three reps in reserve for the first week. Second week of the program, we'd ramp it up. We do one to two reps in reserve. The third week, we can go all the way to failure, up to one rep left in the tank. And then in that last week, I want to see you training to failure quite often because it's the last week of the program. We just really go for it. We smash ourselves. We take ourselves to muscular failure on quite a lot of exercises, except for the ones that it doesn't make sense. Like you don't want to squat to failure because you might get squashed by the barbell. There was an unfortunate incident where someone actually passed away doing that recently. We don't want to take a squat all the way to failure. We don't want to do the deadlift all the way to failure. We might slip a disc. 
We don't want to take the bench press all the way to failure because we'll probably squash ourselves like a pancake. The leg press, if we go all the way to failure and we're doing a lot of weight, that's going to come back and squash us if we don't get the racks back in in time to stop the weights. There are certain exercises where it's actually more of a, um, a danger to yourself to go to failure than it is to not go to failure. But then there are exercises like dumbbell chest press bicep curls, leg extension, leg curl, 45 degree back extension, cable chest fly. You can take those all the way to failure and there's little to no consequence except for gains in the last week of the program. Because when you start a new program after the last week of this current program, when you do the new program, you start back at three reps in reserve. So you're almost kind of like deloading in that first week of the program, yet you're still taking it close enough to build muscle, close enough to failure to build muscle. And you're getting used to these new exercises that are in the program or the new tempo or the new strategy, the new method. Whatever your coach has decided to do, you can use that first week to almost feel it out. That doesn't mean you're training like a, a wet fish. Does that make sense? A wet fish? Fish are always wet. A sock in the wind. A wind sock. Whatever. It doesn't mean that you train like light and you just like cruise and you're like not even like your heart rate's not even raised you're just like oh yeah three reps in reserve man it's so easy it still needs to be hard just not so hard that you can't recover from and improve apply progressive overload in the workouts following up to the rest of the program so to conclude this podcast i'm going to tell you how to, how i like to approach building muscle We'll start with our nutrition and I like to start with the smallest calorie surplus possible to build muscle and minimize the amount of fat gained. And that generally is a 5% surplus. That's where I like to start. It's very minimal. It's the, it's the, it's the minimal way to approach because you know what? We can always increase calories. But if we go too hard too early and just gain too much fat too early, then potentially you know, we might have to kind of like bring it back and then you're like, oh, I'm just getting fat when I'm bulking. So I might just, I'm, I might just start cutting again. And then you just like cut for another eight weeks because like two weeks passed and you just like couldn't, couldn't resist yourself. and You just ate way too much food. A lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. They're just like in this vicious cycle where you, you bulk for like two weeks and then you cut for eight weeks and you bulk for two weeks and cut. And you're like, yeah, th- like this is just what you do, man. This is how, this is how it works. It's not. I like people to commit at least three months, four months, five months. I'd love six months, even more to a bulk. You need to really be in a surplus for a long time to get stronger, to build muscle, to maximize it. And if you do want to build for that long amount of time, you have to look at your calories and say, how is this going to be doable? Because if you just eat like a pig, and just eat as much as you can for six months without thinking of macros and calories and you just like go for it and you just absolutely blast your calories out of the water, in a month or even two months, you're going to explode. You're going to have like so much fat on you. Yes, you've built muscle, but when you decide to cut, you're going to have to cut for way longer than you need than if you were to just have a sensible calorie surplus, 5%, 10% above your maintenance, and you can build for six months and still gain as little fat as possible. That's a true lean bulk and clean bulk. And within that nutrition, your protein, remember, it's like your breast, 
your breast friend. Oh, man. Thinking about breasts. I'm joking. It's your best friend. It stays it stays the same. It stays constant. I told you the markers to follow earlier, but protein stays the same. Fat. I didn't talk about fat, but you just, you know, you keep it around one gram per kilo of body weight, and then the rest is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates usually go pretty high when we're trying to build muscle. That's your nutrition. Supplements, you know, I like creatine. Take it. It's good. I've talked about it before. I won't bother. Training stays the same. You don't have to go low reps and heavy weight. You can continue training the way you are. Low reps and heavy weight is good for the opening exercises that are generally compounds and heavy. You want to do them when you're fresh and feeling good. It's a good idea to do your low reps, heavy weight early on in the session. But that doesn't mean you can't do lighter weights as well. So don't write them off. You can do lateral raises, bicep curls, tricep extensions, tricep cross cable extensions, push downs, push ups for 20 reps, 25 reps, 30 reps if you want to. You can build muscle anywhere between three reps and 30 reps. You don't have to do low rep heavy weight just because you're bulking, bro. Get out of that mindset because that sort of training does beat up your joints too. When you're lifting heavy, okay, if you have good form, it it is going to target your target muscles, but know that heavy lifting can be taxing on your joints. I'm not saying it's bad for you. I'm not saying you're going to get injured, but if you just do that lifting all the time, I've done it before. I've taken my strength training sessions for too long. Like, sorry, strength training phases for too long, like four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, just strength training. I developed sore wrists. I developed sore elbows, sore shoulders from doing too much heavy work and not enough work where my joints and connective tissues are getting rests by doing those hypertrophy rep ranges. That's training, okay? With steps, you don't need to blast 10,000, 12,000, 20,000 steps per day. Anywhere above, like I like my my clients that are building to sit between eight to 10,000. Because if you're blasting your steps, 20,000 a day, 15,000 a day, that's just calories that you have to eat back. And that might be fun for you for a while because you're like, man, I get to eat so many calories and I'm doing so many steps. But it does get tiring eating a lot of food all the time. And then you may not just... And then you may just get so sick and tired of eating because your steps are so high that you kind of get over a surplus and you're like, oh man, I just want to go to maintenance. And then you just kind of like give up on your bulk. Just try to limit them between eight to 10,000. I'm not saying that if someone asks you to go for a walk, you turn them down because you're like, nah, bro, I'm bulking. Still go for a walk, still live your life. But just look at your weekly average and keep it between 56,000 to 70,000. Because if you're doing a lot of steps, that's extra calories that you're burning that you're going to have to consume later on to make that up to make sure that you get into your calorie surplus. I hope this has helped you. This is, uh, you know, Brock Ashby debunking the muscle building myths. I hope it's been good. Uh, let me know if you found this helpful. Uh, drop me a comment. Send me an email, team at teambrockashby.com. If you have any other topics that you want me to cover, I have reached out to many people to jump on the podcast. So hopefully, we get some people on and have some interesting conversations. Though I do like these solo podcasts and I hope they bring you value. Thank you very much, team. I will talk to you soon. Bye.